Okay, guys. I looked into some editing. So, well, like microphone settings, it's not looking good on the recording thing, so I'm going to have to play it back. So I'm going to have to pause you guys. Sorry. Hold on. Okay. Um, it was a little quiet, so we're doing a second test. Um, so yeah, give me a sec. Okay, well, by popular opinion, keeping it like this. Now. Ideally, this is going to be an intro for my dad's podcast. But, you know, I'm willing to keep an open mind and see where it goes. As long as I get it started. It's weird because I think of all the things... Well, I think you understand. You have all your great ideas until you get in front of a piece of paper. I guess that's the whole thing about keeping a notepad on hand. But it's kind of hard. Like, it took me a good... It feels like... It felt like a good 30 minutes to set up this whole ordeal... Be happy with the mic settings. Look up new mic settings. Yada, 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 yada. All for me to get in front of the mic and be like nervous to just talk about shit. Well, I call it nervousness, but maybe it's like a, uh, probably a mix of artist block and maybe like stage fright I don't know am I cracking under pressure I don't know well I I mean I, I listen to a few solo podcasts I'm pretty basic I went and I listened to like Joey Diaz okay that's the only solo podcast I tapped into just because when I think about a solo podcast, it just doesn't sound good to me. It's like, you're just one person, you're going to talk for an hour, it feels kind of like self-entitling. As you know, as I'm doing it right now, but... I mean, obviously it's not a bad thing to do, it's just a weird feeling I have about them. You know, like, no hate on Joey Diaz, it was a fantastic podcast I listened to. I listened to a couple more, actually, and I enjoyed them, but for some reason. Um, I mean, I'm currently actually kind of talking myself out of it as I voice it out loud, which I find I do with many things. Uh, if I bring, like, if I see, like, the hesitation of, oh, you know, a single-person podcast just kind of sounds... I'm talking myself back into it now. I guess it is a little bit. It is a little bit. And I think to do it well, it has to be. Because, yeah, I feel like it is. You, you gotta have some... Gotta have some brass to be like, Dude, I could totally talk for an hour and be interesting. People would eat that shit up. But I mean, people enjoy. If people enjoy it, what's the harm? I enjoy it. Well, see, now here's the issue. I'm focusing 
on people as if I mean it's true you know you gotta uh, you know it's important like I guess if it makes me happy if it makes me happy then I enjoy doing it that should be enough for me right I think it will be hmm I do get worried that I can do it though like I'm already getting a little tired and I don't even I don't know I could have been talking two minutes that could have been five minutes I couldn't tell you for the life of me my ADHD wild and out time irrelevant it's meaningless in fact rolling into that crocodiles they don't die of old age that's not a thing so the thing like oh shoot there's a cat outside black cat walking down the street that's badass cats are like kind of badass wait is that a cat okay that's definitely a cat oh man that cat coming from like the 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 heavy side of the street too I hope it's out there killing stuff I would want a cat cause freaking they get shit done it's very motivating you know like damn cats fucking you know well I don't want like a late I don't want an indoor cat my cat my cat's gonna be like it's gonna live it up it's gonna be a killer I'll just, if it doesn't grow, oh, it's coming to the car. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. I got the, oh, snap. It's coming to the car. I'm going to get a close-up view. It's kind of a big cat, though. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, dude. That's pretty intense. That was pretty intense, guys. Cat. Okay. Wow. Um. Sorry about that. I know it's fine. I'm drinking kombucha right now. I probably butchered that. But my friend Alex, she like gave me one. She was like, "It's nasty." But like, I'm a freaking. I'm a weird like healthy junkie. I've been eating, like, shit recently, but, like, I enjoy feeling healthy. I do. And it was, honestly, I just feel good drinking these. So I got another one. They're too pricey, though. I'm not going to be able to, like, be drinking a bunch of kombucha. But it does make you feel some sort of way. I ain't going to lie, though. The one we got, it was pretty shitty tasting. But she was like purposely trying to find a shitty tasting one. She was like looking for a gag reflex or something. Apparently she really hates this stuff. Time, dude. It's not that relevant. Okay? Because if you think, you shouldn't think of time as like the line that's moving forward like a ring. Don't think about it as the river going forward. You're, you're a river going forward. But you need to think about how wide 
your river is. Because if you experience, like, like, it can take you a long-ass time to, you know, experience all the width of that river. Because you get to experience all of it as you go through your time. It's wide, but if you live in, like, if your life is a narrow river stream, yeah, you're zipping through. You're going super fast. So you just need, you need a, a wide river on your time. And sometimes, you know, the river varies, which is why it makes it very hard to keep track of time. Because, like, shoot, the river was narrow. <sighs> time just flew by. I didn't even realize it. Or I was like, damn, it's a really fat river day. <laughs> I ain't never described it like this, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, I'm really, I'm big into analogies. So I'm trying to give you guys like a relatable analogy. So you can understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) This is supposed to be the introduction to my dad's um, podcast. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how long it is. I could just be like, and now, our guest. Out of the blue, just like that, right? And it was just my dad talking. Speaking of that part, damn, see, it's gonna be awkward though if I post this one. You know what? I don't give a shit. It'll be fine. I feel like I ran through time rather quickly, so I'm a. We need some listen up. Crocodiles don't get touched by time. There's some other. Ones that don't get touched by time, but I'm blanking on them. Ah, dude, I have a supercomputer on my lap. Listen, some guy, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. I told you, I'm a a pretty basic podcast guy. And the guy's argument, they were talking about... Okay, listen, the fucking creatures that don't get affected by time. Hold, Hold on, hold on. I think it's like whales. Another one's whales. Didn't even look that up yet. Uh, you know what guys be proactive get out there open up your mind and you'll realize time isn't so relevant you need to like slow it down you can like spend a long ass time in one day or you can zip through it it's on you but yeah once you like you can't you can't back paddle in your river. So if you're a person that just kinda narrow streams their whole life, you're gonna be like, fuck. It's gonna like hurt sometimes to be a wide river. You gotta experience a lot of shit as a wide river. You going you going through a lot of stuff. If you're a narrow river, you know you <laughs> But maybe not. That's a speculation. But I feel like it is a richer experience as a wide river. I feel like maybe maybe you do. Because, I mean, there is some incentive to be a narrow river sometimes, I feel like. Like when I'm sick. But that's like, you ever heard, have you heard the story of the boy, of the, of the, of the boy with his bowl of yarn? My mom told me this story when I was a wee little kid. And this, like... One of the few things, actually, now that I think about it, that I, like, stuck for me from childhood. One of them would be this story. And I was, um... It's weird. I just, like, remember the story. I think it was my mom that told me it. 
If she ever listens to this, she heckin' sucks at listening to anything I send her. And I'll probably be corrected on it. The story. Okay, boy, I'm just paraphrased, okay? Boy had this ball of string. It was magical. If he, It was like... This person gave it to him when he was a little boy. And he's like, hey, if you're having tough times, you know, just pull this string a little bit. And you'll be... You'll skip right through it. It's like, if you're, like, getting a shot. Or if, like, you're super sick. Or, you know, here you go. Which, I mean, thinking about it right now, after the fact... That is totally nothing but a curse. Give that to like a developing young boy. That's definitely gonna fuck him over. You're not gonna be able to function right if you don't go through any of that shit. Anyway, you get the premise. He pulled the string a lot. He grew up, was an adult. He pulled the string all the time then. Like his daughter's sick. He has to stay up all night with her. Pull the string. Can't pull an all-nighter. That's exhausting. Yada, yada, yada. And then he dies an unfulfilled, sad life. Boo-hoo. Anyway. Development. You need the hard times. It creates character. It's cliche as shit. I kind of vomited in my mouth a little bit when I said that. Wish I had said it better. But, hey, you get the point. Here's the thing, though. No one wants their kid to go through hard times. But if you don't prepare them right for hard times, they're going to get screwed over later in life. In which case, they'll have gone through hard times, and hopefully they'll learn and spring back. If you prepare them for hard times when they're a kid... I guess it's easier to do that. You know, I don't know why. Listen. You see the math equation here. If you shelter your kid. It could harm them later in life. Like they won't be ready for it. But you want to shelter your kid. Take it a step further. Because, like, what are you going to do as a parent? How do you, how do you, I guess, like, sports? But, I mean, do you really get the same? Like, listen, if we take it to some extremes here, I feel like, now, I don't have any evidence to back any of this up. What I'm about to say is, purely a loosely based hypothesis from various data points if you're a kid that had if you like grew up a freaking a peasant Or if you grew up like in a, in a trauma household, if you make it through there and you don't come out too fucked up, or if you do, you figure out how to mend 
then it does prepare you for that second stage of life because childhood and adulthood as transitioning is a big old it's two different worlds two totally different worlds so if you went like experience man listen if you go through hardships early in life you'll be better prepared for hardships later in life just like anything if i do a push-up yesterday i'll be able probably to do a push-up a little bit easier today of course you know if i didn't do the push-up yesterday i could still do the push-up today but i'd be one behind the person who did a push-up yesterday here is though the issue the issue is with your if you're a kid maybe you're not developed enough to start doing those push-ups which is like you don't you know you don't recover well from that traumatic experience you got too messed up now you can't function in the next world but if you manage to like no offense to the people that can't it's just there's a lot of people man they you know react a lot of different ways if you can't if you can do the push-up in your adolescence and it doesn't you know like harm your muscles because they're not you know developed enough and they rip and then you don't get them back if you can't do the push-up then you're one push-up ahead of all the people who didn't do a push-up but the people who didn't do a push-up did maybe get to like grow better so that way you know like get better nutrients or something you know they weren't like wasting their push-up juice when I was growing as a kid so that way maybe the push-ups in their next life were done more effectively that's a possibility too so anyhow I was thinking about all this like the benefits of going through trauma versus maybe the benefits of not versus the cons of each all because I had my dad on the podcast, so I was thinking about like kids and parents and relationships. Just to explain to you where all this obvious forethought came from. Well, I mean the push-ups analogy, that was a new way to describe it. Listen guys, if anything, that'd be a pretty decent intro into my dad's podcast just because of all that shabazzle. So, let's, it'll be a surprise for all of us. How long has this been? It's been 20 minutes? Jeez, okay. Well, how long did I think it was going to be? Uh, I was expecting either it to be like 45 minutes or 10 minutes. The only reason 20 was such a surprise is because that's literally like, such an ideal number for my dad's podcast intro because our podcast was like an hour and 43 minutes and it's like dude just round out to the whole number please it was midnight though now that i know there's gonna be an intro for the podcast actually it's probably good when we cover some stuff um oh so sorry excuse me the kombucha juice is like kind of fermented so it's a little bubbly it's some wacky stuff. Look it up. I mean, they're claiming to put like... I'm so sorry. Like, seriously, this kombucha. They're claiming to put like billions of like... Organisms of... Something somethings. 
I don't know. Look it up. Be proactive. Intro. Anyhow. Uh, he's super fidgety. I don't know. He's usually pretty fidgety. So, I wouldn't... I don't... Yeah, I'm not... Yeah, there's nothing to dissect there. Just a fidgety man. Probably has ADHD or something. Uh, so there's lots of weird sounds. Like, you'll, you'll hear him messing with coins. It was annoying, but like, who am I to tell the poor man to not mess with his coins? You know? It's whatever. Mess with your coins, man. Um... Don't be alarmed. My little brother was there the whole time. Oh, yeah. And we're doing this at the kitchen table. Listen, guys. This is the struggle, okay? I don't got, I don't got a good place to do the podcast yet. I'm working on it. That's why guests have been limited. Non-existent. Um, let's see. Anything else? Ah. Listen. Two person? I mean, it's weird doing a podcast, trying to know, like, I don't know how I did. I'm, I feel like I'm very critical of myself. But, hey. Obviously, it was good. Listen, my dad's, a, I know he's a very, very large, rounded man. <laughs> no. Listen, like, well-rounded, but, like, he's really, he knows, like, a lot of random his random stuff radius knowledge is very large. It goes from like types of trees to government structures in other countries. What I'm saying is I definitely feel like I could have taken us down a lot of different routes that I didn't. I didn't know to. Didn't know how to. But we covered some interesting stuff. I just wish I would cracked in a little better, you know? I feel like that's uh I feel like definitely my dad is in a, a ripe knowledge plum for piercing. That's okay. First time doing it. I'm warming up. I'll get better. It sounds kind of imposing. I'm not I'm not here to interrogate you people. I just it's probably like a good way to run interesting conversations. Not that it wasn't. It's just again I have a pretty bad mat. Listen, it's not that it wasn't interesting. I just always feel like I could do better. So don't don't think this is not going to be a good podcast. It went very well. I had a great time doing it. I'm just saying next time it's going to be better. I say that about anything, no matter how good it is. Well, it is important to cap out, you know. To recognize, hey, is it good enough? But you know, don't don't sell yourself short. But like, there are you know like excessive. You can be excessive. You don't need to be excessive. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's all. I, I think that's all I got. I mean, I started slow, but I really got into this. I'm having so much fun. But really, um. That's all. Peace out, guys. Uh, enjoy the podcast. Mwah. That was a really sloppy one, so I'm going to edit it out and do this one. Mwah. That was a weird one. Mwah. <laughs> I'm just, like, practicing kisses. Jeez. I promise I'm not gay. My Mimi, like, accused me of it. I just like plants. 
I'm just a weird guy. Probably give rid of that too. It's this com is this kombucha? It's fermented. It's fermented. What do you want from me? It's fermented. <sighs> Enjoy your podcast, Dad. Her and Belle. Her and Belle tussling. Mm. Yeah. Okie dokie. Okay, we ready? Yes, we are. We are rolling. Okay, so I think for starters, what interests me is you started, you were like, we're going to have kids. That was going to be a huge life change. You had four. Now there's only two of them. What's it like? Because you had four for like a really, it must have been, it was like a crazy house for such a long time. And now I think of home and I realize, oh man, there's only like four of them. It must be so different. Well, it's more boring because now there's more time to fill. And, uh, well, yeah, so I'm not as busy. But I like being busy. Yeah, I know. It's like... So you gonna upgrade your gardening? I mean, already I came to visit, and the garden was like insane. Yeah, well, but that was because of COVID, so there's less work to do. So there's even more time to kill. So I had to do something. Um, hmm. No, I don't think I've actually fully adjusted to having less people in the house yet because as soon as really less people in the house became a reality, then I tore my Achilles tendon, so I couldn't do anything but sit on the couch anyway. And then coronavirus started, which created an artificial environment. Oh. And so... So you haven't had, like, normal less people at the house yet? So, I, yeah, I haven't really thought about it. Um... And honestly, since since let me think. So I was still playing. I was playing in like adult softball leagues, and I was playing in adult ultimate frisbee leagues when Olivia was two. When you were a baby. I remember going to one on the DC mall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did that a little bit up until, up until Olivia started going to school. But then once Olivia started doing things, like Olivia played soccer and Olivia started doing Fairfax Coral Society, um, you know, then you might remember I taught Sunday school at church. Um, I did Awana for a long time. You remember that? Mm-hmm. 
You were a fan favorite. Um, yeah, and I enjoyed that stuff. Um, and then when all four of you started doing stuff, well, well, then I just, you know, whatever you were doing, that's what I did. So now that there's only two of them doing stuff again, I suppose there's time I could do other things. But no, I just really haven't thought about it. Yeah. And um, Sophia's really into softball, so that's a lot of time right there, I guess. It's not more time now than it was four years ago when all four of you were at home. Is Sophia, is she the one who's like gotten the most into one sport? I can't remember any other of us being, you know, so. Well, probably at, at this point, though, you know, you could say that Olivia was as much into Coral Society. That's true. As Sophia is into softball. I didn't really have a good frame of reference of so, how high up she got in Coral Society. Oh, that was an elite choral group that's why she got to sing in like Carnegie Hall I sounded really good so um, mm, Sophia still does gymnastics as well because she enjoys it so yeah rhythmic gymnastics mm -hmm. so yeah um, your mom reads a lot more than she used to she's always reading um, but I think mm, she hasn't she hasn't felt really good in probably two or three years. She's tired all the time. Yeah, I told her she should try out the carnivore diet. I'm going to do it with her in like a week or something. Yeah, so she's tired all the time. So she hasn't felt really good in years. So she reads a lot more now than when you were all four home. But yeah, so how do I experience less kids in the house? Uh, well, I have more time, which just means I'm... Um, more often bored. I've mainly filled the time by playing Alien Shooter. Not much else. <laughs> playing Alien Shooter. I did a lot of gardening. Can't really garden in the wintertime, though. No. And uh, I read a lot of books last summer. I read the biography of Alexander Hamilton, and then I read the biography of George Washington by the same author that wrote Hamilton's biography. And each of those books were like 900 pages long. That's a big, that's a... It's no small feat. And then I read A History of the Comanche <laughs> Indians. Excuse me. But I didn't do any reading over the winter. I got a lot busier at work. And with what free time I had, I played Alien Shooter. <laughs> that tea just killed me. Okay. Oh, gosh. So, so books yeah. and Alien Shooter, pretty much. Only books, yeah. But I, I didn't read it all over the winter. But you're saying it hasn't really set in yet. No, I haven't adapted. No. 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 Not yet. Do you think it'll be the same as when you just had me and Olivia, or will it be a different kind of living? Oh, well, it'll be different, because I'm 20 years older and I don't have any friends. So, yeah. No. no. <laughs> back, then, back then, I was much younger and I had friends. Join a bird watching group or something yeah that's not my style <sighs> so then the ah, man it hasn't really set in i can't blame you though yeah there's been covid and then you achilles heel on one fatal swoop you just been at home and then you got stuck at home again right double mammy correct and then the other thing is uh, I was thinking about how I was going to introduce you onto the podcast and like what I'd write. Like for my last write, I was like, Grizz, Mountain Man. 
Um, I have no idea what you do for work. Not like an iota well, of a decent clue. Yeah, and I'm not really interested in trying to explain it, but... What would you just, what, not, maybe not what your work is, but what would you, what, what would your, how would you introduce yourself? Well, why don't you just say, I'm talking to my dad who was in the Air Force for 25 years, graduated from the Air Force Academy, spent most of his life working in on defense issues living in Washington DC yeah. that's probably good enough I don't I never appreciated where we lived until I moved here in terms of all the history we had oh. right, right on our fingertips sure yeah man because I was surrounded by it so I just kind of took it for granted and then I moved over here and people were, hadn't seen things hadn't gone to museums right never looked at a spaceship before I was like dude it's like day to day DC stuff right yeah like the Smithsonian how do we end up in Virginia well you don't want to live in the District of Columbia no because to live somewhere that's safe to live you can't afford it you have to be a multimillionaire. so we're not going to live there so your choice is to live in Maryland or Virginia, but yeah, I'd pick Virginia too. Um, my career is defense. Defense is centered around the Pentagon, so that's in Virginia. There you go. When I met your mother, I lived in Maryland with a roommate in Silver Spring, Maryland. Oh my gosh! You know, I ran into this old lady today at the supermarket. Next thing I know, she's um, informally inviting me to split rent with her uh, for like a, a How does that relate to living in Virginia or Maryland? It just, it, when you said renting with a roommate, it popped into my head. Oh. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was a super, I mean, uh, just kind of happened like that. Didn't plan it or anything. And I went back to the bakery, and it made me think. I was like, Phew. "So when I graduated from college, my first assignment in the Air Force was in at the Pentagon, right?" Mm -hmm. So one of my classmates was also assigned to Washington D.C. So he and I decided to room together, and. He grew up in Maryland. His parents, he grew up in Montgomery County. So he wanted to live in Montgomery County and he knew the area well. So we looked at apartments, places that he knew, and so we found an apartment in Silver Spring. So that's where I lived when I first moved out there. Um, we lived in that apartment for a year and then we found a really nice house in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Chubby Chase, Maryland. That's Chevy, the actual name. Chevy Chase, Maryland. Oh, I said Chubby Chase. No, Chevy Chase, Maryland. And then uh, we got another roommate um, who was also a classmate of ours who also was assigned there. And so he came in to the house we were renting that second year. And then my first roommate 
Larry, he got reassigned and moved somewhere else. So then um, we need another roommate. So we put, back then you put an ad in the newspaper because there was no like... Oh, like the classifieds. There's no like Craigslist on the internet or anything like that. Yeah, you yeah. put an ad in the newspaper and the Washington D.C. newspaper it used to have a really thick section called Apartments, Rooms, Houses to Rent, Share. Yeah. Was it really, right. was it that easy? Just call up the newspaper? You call the newspaper and you place an ad. Hey, I've got, you know, a three-bedroom house, three-bedroom, two-bedroom house in Chevy Chase, Maryland, looking for one roommate, uh, one bedroom, share one bathroom, 500 bucks a month. And place the ad, right? Or if you were looking for somewhere to live, you'd go there. Usually, every day, there were at least four full pages of classified ads for apartments, rooms, houses to share. Dang. Right. There's none today because it's all online. You, yeah. go, you go to Craigslist. It makes me think of the song, Pina Colada. But, um... I looked in the classified section, saw yeah. your ad. Yeah. So, anyway. So, yeah. This woman, her name was Pamela, Pamela Pataris, called us up. She's like, hey, you know, I'm looking for a room. Can I go look at the house? We're like, sure, great. Yeah, come on over. So she looked at it and she's like, wow, oh, this is great. I'll take it. I'm like, great. So that's how we got her as a roommate. Um, you know, that worked out well. Um, Pamela and my other roommate, Jerry, they ended up getting married. Hmm. They're still married. Um, oh. So. That's good. Your mother, I met your mother. She was living in her own apartment at the time. But that's because she was making a ton of money in sales. I was going to say, I was like. She was making a lot of money wow. in sales. But she hated sales, so so she made so much money in sales that she rented an apartment and just paid the rent for a full year in advance. Just paid it. Oh, wow! So it was like just she just put twelve thousand dollars down and paid the rent. You know, in advance. she she definitely downplayed how good she was at sales. She's very good. So, but then she quit sales, and so when her lease expired, she knew she needed to move because she was in a job that she enjoyed but made a lot less money. So she found a room to share at this house in Kensington, Maryland. And the guy that owned that house was kind of a perverted, creepy person. He would watch porn movies in the common room and things like that. Huh. Wow, <laughs> just like, just but, with some popcorn? It was bizarre. Huh. But her roommate was a woman named Holly. Oh, the same Holly that we still know? Yeah, and wow. they became good friends, right? And you went to their house a couple times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice lady, nice lady. Holly and Chris. So, yeah. Oh, the Holly and Chris. Right. Ah, there you go. So, Joshua might remember that. Well, no. No, no. Yeah, well, we went to a dress-up costume birthday party at their house once. I visit. I definitely remember that. I have pictures of it. Yeah, I dressed up as a prince. You're right. And Sophia was in a... Yeah, she she was in um, the fairy godmother costume. I think that was the first dress-up. I think that's like the only dress-up party I've ever been to. Possibly. But yeah. your sister dressed you up a lot. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Well, that's what happens when you have a, just an older sister and that's it. True. So, so anyway. life goes. Yeah. So sometimes roommates work out great. But yeah. I was you know, thinking how I didn't Other really, times they don't. I didn't really plan it. It seems just life kind of especially it's now I'm like out of school and whatnot and things aren't rigorously scheduled so I always know what's coming up 
I find I try to plan things, I work towards my goal, and then life happens, and now I'm here. And I have to, like, change my goal. Well, that's life. <laughs> Is this just going to be for the rest of the rest of my life? You should always plan. Yeah. If you don't plan, you can't adapt. So you plan to adapt. Well, you just know that it will be. Um, you get less frustrated that way too. But if you don't plan for anything, well, then you're never going to get anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. If there's no goal, then any target will do fine. There's right. No goal, right? So, um, so that's why there's a saying: planning is essential. Planning is useless. Well, what does that mean? It means you plan so you can think through what you need to get done in order to do what you want. But you know, you should know that things are not going to go exactly according to plan. You're going to have to adapt. But if you've thought through what you need to do, it's much easier to adapt. And even though your course may change, you reach the end goal. Mm. Right? Yeah. So, I read you and Olivia both a book called The Pilgrim's Progress. It's kind of about that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. All sorts of things happened. All sorts of things happened on the way to the heavenly city. But they kept their eye on the ultimate goal, mm -hmm. right? In that case, okay, my eyes are on Christ in the heavenly city. That's the pilgrim's progress. That's right. But along the way, temptations would come up, and I'd get distracted by them, and I'd get, I'd get back on the path. And then the giant fortress, right? The, giant, the giants would come out, and they'd delay me, and I'd, and I'd get back on the path. That's life. That's life. It's crazy. There are people that just live day to day, you know. Um, waste away like that. Well, you know, that's a way to live. Um, some people that live day to day and never plan to do anything will claim that they're victims and blame everyone else for their problems. That's a problem. Yeah, well. But some people are actually quite content living day to day. Um, they don't act like victims. They don't blame anyone for whatever circumstances they find themselves in. But they are just content living day to day. Okay. There's nothing to judge about that. Um, right? You can leave, even live responsibly that way. If you're going to live that way, um, you can't really, and you should not, do things that make you responsible for other people. Do you remember there was a farmer's market in Falls Church, not far from our house? Beautiful farmer's market. Right, okay. So at that farmer's market, every Saturday, uh, there was the mushroom man there. He, the guy selling mushrooms. Yeah. He, he was always there. Pick them in the forest, right? He would go and pick them in the forest. Yeah. That's exactly right. Okay, so, so I've talked to him quite a bit. I got to know him pretty well. And I talked to him once about what he does and how he does it. How does he live his life? Well, seems kind of a risky life. Pick the wrong mushroom. Well, no, he's a mushroom expert. He knows what to do, what not to do in that regard. I suppose yeah, that, that time's probably behind him. But so, how does he live? Um, is he married? No. Does he have any kids? No. Does he have really many earthly possessions at all? No. What does he do? Um, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, he's foraging through national forest land in Pennsylvania for mushrooms. 
Hmm. So he's hiking through forests picking mushrooms. Friday, he drives down to Falls Church. Uh, he stays with friends or people he knows, or he rents a hotel room in a cheap hotel. Saturday, he sets up his Little mushrooms, mushrooms at the stall provided by the City of Falls Church Farmer's Market. Nice. And every Saturday, the mushrooms are different. And he sells his mushrooms from 7 in the morning to 11 a.m., or 12, whenever the farmer's market closes. Saturday night, he uses the money he made to have a good time. He sleeps it off Sunday morning. He visits with a few friends on Sunday, and then he drives back up to the forest Sunday night. He camps in the forest Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. And he does and it he, all over And he comes yeah. back. Now, I'd... So I'm at the farmer's market every Saturday, every month of the year for 12 years, right? Yeah. And I asked him about it. how long you've been here. He's like, oh, I've been selling at this market for 18 years now. Wow. How old are you now? And he was like, oh, 48. Man. I was like, how long are you going to do this? He's like, as long as I can. I was like, well, what when you can't do this anymore? He's like, well, then it doesn't really matter, does it? I said, how do you mean? He's like, well, so I will have lived what? 30 years and in the 30 years I would have spent my life walking through the forest of Pennsylvania so that I could be able to make enough money week by week to enable me to walk through the forest of Pennsylvania when I can't do that anymore eh, I won't care all right so fine right did the farmers market stay open oh, it's still guys? it's still open. Oh, they haven't opened the boys you want first Saturday market haven't had it oh you know I don't know about the Falls Church market there's a farmer's market in Vienna that's been open because yeah. it's outside I was just thinking about it like well, what's he doing right now so he making his mushroom money yeah well they're yeah so I'm not sure but right so but the point is day so to day living day to day life right so I don't judge him for what he's doing because he's well aware of it and yeah. he doesn't claim himself to be a victim he lives week by week um, might he think differently when he's, I don't know, 66, 67? Yeah. And something happens to him. He can't hike through forests every day. And he doesn't have a penny to his name. And he has no one to look after him or take care of him. Then what? Well, he might think different then. Yeah. Or he might not. Yeah. And I don't think he'd think like a victim. If, you know. No. When he says it's true, he'll probably be like, well, here I am. Correct. Um, even that, though, if you think about it, given what I just told you, He's got that. There's a clear plan there. Here's the schedule of events, and here's the plan. Now, we know that it doesn't always go like that because there are weeks where it's raining or it's snowing, or and like it makes if it frosts over. It's uh, it doesn't affect can. mushrooms. Doesn't? No. Oh. Um, there are weeks where the mushroom harvest might be much more difficult than other weeks, if not impossible, based on weather. Mm-hmm. In which case, that's a week he's going to have to adapt. Chances are he knows that plans accordingly so I doubt he spends every penny he makes every Saturday and Sunday yeah probably puts some aside in case the weather makes it harder to bring in a big harvest in the following week literally or maybe the forest where he's in he doesn't go back to the same forest every week yeah because he's already picked all the mushrooms there Mm -hmm. right so so even though he's living week to week day to day 
there's still planning going on. See? And he's still adapting so that he can keep doing something that never looks past a week. If you want to do something that looks past a week, that requires more planning and then more flexibility and adaptation over time because there's going to get more obstacles in your way. Yeah. No, no question about that. No question about it. My goodness. So what all... So I was pretty darn young. What all were you doing in the Air Force? Traveling all over the place. Was it fun? That's really what I'm curious about. Was it like... Was it what you thought it was going to be? Um, yeah. I mean, I've always enjoyed the work I've done. Um, so... I mean, I've always been in, involved in jobs that require problem-solving skills, leadership skills, and analytic skills, the ability to think through problems, problem-solving, the ability to write, uh, the ability to do public speaking. Um, I've always enjoyed that, right? Um, so you've seen that in... Um, Right? Did you think I was a good Sunday school teacher? Oh, dude, you're fantastic. So? Right? Right? So yeah. it's the same skill. If I'm trying to teach someone some complicated concept of cost, like cost analysis, or if I'm trying to explain to someone, uh, you know, how a rocket engine works, it's still teaching. It's the ability to teach and present topics holds someone's interest. Mm-hmm. and get information across in a way that can be understood. I've always enjoyed that. So, anyway, whenever I was traveling, it was either because I was going to teach or train or educate somebody or I was going to investigate something in order to gather information, in order to do the analysis necessary to present information to someone else or write a report on it. So, yeah, and that's still what I do today. So you're essentially like a, a teacher, teacher, consultant, advisor. Yeah. Yeah. And most of my time in the Air Force, that's what I spent doing. Or I was in positions of leadership. Or I was managing other people who were doing things. But when you're in a position of leadership, you are mentoring, training, advising subordinates. So, same thing. Right? Right. So, yeah. Um, I've always liked the work I've done. Um... No, I mean, you know, the military makes for an easy career because, so... Well, I feel like it does enlistment-wise, but I feel like it gets a bit harder to make it an easy career to go through the academy just to get there, right? Well, sure, you got to be able to get there. But by easy, I mean... So if you enlist in the Air Force or you enlist in the Marine Corps, whatever you enlist in, right, you take a test. It's an aptitude test. The ASVAB, you took it. Based upon how you do on the ASVAB test, then more or less career fields are open to you. If you have a really, really low aptitude and you get a really low ASVAB score, then the Air Force might not even take you at all. The Army might take you, but only into infantry. Yeah. Right? The higher your score, the more career fields are open to you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you just tell Air Force, Army, Navy, Marines, 
what career field would you like to go into? Sign an enlistment contract. You go through basic training, and then they're going to train you to do that job in that career. Well, you don't have to think about anything else, right? You don't have to worry about how do I learn my job. You don't have to worry about what is my job. You don't have to worry about how do I keep my job. You don't have to worry about are they going to fire me? You sign a contract. They're going to train you to do this job. You're going to do this job. Complete the training. Do the job well. That's it, right? So that makes life pretty simple. People will say, oh, yeah, but you got to follow all those rules. Yeah, well, um, there are all sorts of unwritten rules in society. You can choose not to follow them. You're not going to get anywhere if you do that. The Air Force or the Army, the Navy, Marine Corps, just very... These are the rules. They're not informal. They're formal. They're written down. Follow them. We're going to kick you out with a criminal penalty applied against you because you broke your contract. Mm-hmm. Unwritten rule of society is there's no rule that says you have to show up to work on time. And there's nobody that's going to put you in jail for not showing to work up on time. But you're going to get fired and you're going to get a bad reference and you're never going to get a job again. The Air Force just writes it down. And the Air Force just writes it down. This is the duty hours. You're expected to be here. If you're not here, it's breach of contract, and in the Air Force, it's criminal offense. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference. Yeah. Okay. What's so hard about that? There's really nothing hard about that. You know what's hard? What's hard is graduating from college and not really knowing what you want to do and having to figure out what you want to do and then having to figure out how to get a job. Mm-hmm. Air Force? Hey, okay. We've paid for your education. You've graduated. You owe us at least five years of service. Go do that job. Okay. Fine. Cool. Go do that job. There you go. That's easy. So the only thing you need to worry about is doing your job well, whatever it is. They're going to train you how to do it. You don't have to worry about that. So it makes it pretty simple. When I graduated from college, the economy was in a big recession. It means lots of people are getting laid off. Yeah, 2008. I've recently been hearing about that, right? 1993. Oh, well, I don't know what. Yeah, my timeline's a bit off. <laughs> yeah, there was a recession in two thousand eight. Kind of happened. Nineteen ninety three. It was a big recession in nineteen ninety three. The job market was doing down, right? Yeah. Unemployment was going up. Mm-hmm. People graduating from college were like, ah, they couldn't get jobs. I don't have to worry about that. I have to, you know, people are like, oh, you can't pick your career field. You can't do what you want. I was like, well, but so, you already picked it, right? No, not really. It, Dude, there's lots of things you can do in the military. I'm just gonna like, I'm in the military. They're gonna pay for my health care. They're gonna give me a salary. They're gonna train me to do a job. I'm just gonna do it. And in five years, if I want to move on to something else, I can. But I chose not to because I kind of liked what I was doing. And then when you're in the Air Force, whether you enlist or you're an officer um, or in any branch of service, if you're good at what you do, then. Uh, yeah. I so I, after five years, I could have done anything, but I chose to stay in. Um, and then I did a lot of different things. I didn't just do the same job for 25 years. I did, gosh, when I think about it, seven or eight different jobs, and they were all different from one another. What they all had in common is I was responsible for leadership. I was responsible to train, mentor, advise, and educate people. Um, I was responsible to solve problems. 
which means I had to analyze problems and I had to write things up in a way that could be explained. That was common to every job I did. The jobs themselves were different. It's a lot of variety. I like that too. I get bored easily. Three, four years, done the same thing. Yeah, time to do something new. Easy to do in the military. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I do sometimes, I worry about, that's definitely me. Like, I'm going to get, I'm not too sure what I, what I'm going to do. Secured a real estate license. I felt like that would bring me a good way to pick up large sums of money through just connecting with people, which I enjoy doing. So I got that. It, like, monetizes my enjoyment of connecting with people. Right. And then I'm trying to do full-time cake decorating, but my manager is being a flip-floppy fish, and I'm having a really hard time getting him to actually sit down and communicate with me what my plan is going to be. But I'd love to do that monetizing my love for art and then I haven't done any education yet which I can do I'd like to do I just don't want to waste it because I see so many people going into education really early and then they never use their degree and they're kind of like I wish I'd studied something else I don't want to actually you know study something I'm passionate yeah. about that's fine you can wait you don't have to be in a hurry. That's true. <laughs> for that. There's no age requirement for education, right? They're not like, you're too old. Pack it up. No, there's not. Um, yeah, well, I mean, real estate still might be the way to monetize your interest in connecting with people. But that takes time. <laughs> Yeah, it does. There's no quickness to it. No, there's not. So, like in Dallas-Fort Worth, for example, there are more licensed realtors than there are homes for sale. Dude, I not like every one out of like 10 doors I knock on is someone in the business somehow. Right. Some way. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. So It's like a competition out here. <clears throat> That's true everywhere. So, real estate is about reputation earned painstakingly over time. There is no shortcuts to it. There's just not. Well, when I look around, it seems there's no shortcuts to anything. No, it's just the path you take to get yeah. there. Anybody's like big in anything. It's like, yeah, you know, five, six years, and I just kept on on the grindstone. Steve, Steve, for instance. Shoe yeah. guy. That's two generations of hard work. Correct. Yeah, so, you know, um, I put a lot of work in in high school to get a free education at the Air Force Academy, mm -hmm. which got me a guaranteed career in the Air Force. I've always done well in whatever I've done, which has kept me employed doing things I like for now 30 years yeah okay so now I'm at the point where mm, you know I make more money than most of the people I supervise today and I work less how, how's that well because I, I'm just more, over quantity, I'm more right? efficient than they are yeah so uh, 
more efficient than they are. That's one reason. Um, and I also know how to delegate. I've learned how to delegate. I'm kind of like, hmm. But that takes time. Um, I've also learned when not to run my mouth, right? So if people think that a task should take eight hours, I'm not going to argue with them about that. It takes me four. They're still going to pay me for eight. Because I don't negotiate on the basis of that. Are you serious? Try to be quiet. You, just, like, just, you could just, you could just tell us. Just you tell us, like, yeah. Hey, I want to grab a thing. Your dad's on me. Pause the mic real quick. Um, this is why I need to. This is the only issue with my podcast, right? I don't have a good place to do yeah. it. So, yeah, I mean, so yeah, if someone thinks it's eight hours of work, it's fine. I get done at four. Means I got four to do other things. Usually, what I like doing is I develop more work. I bring in more business. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, a lot of what I do today is, um, gosh, even in the past year in COVID, I probably uh, I brought in a couple million dollars for the company I work for, um, which then turned into full-time work for like. 10 other people, which then I've been teaching them on how to do the work that I do so they can do it, which means I don't have to do the work I do, which means I spend more time bringing in more work, which to me is even more fun. Uh Yeah. I mean, you know. How long do you think you'll do this? Oh, I don't know. And until I don't want to anymore. The mushroom man? More or less. Keep doing it. I mean, some people ask, "Oh, why don't you go out on your own and you know form your own consultancy and run your own business?" I could do that. Man, that's a lot more work. Like, so I would have to then form my own company, hire lawyers, go through that process. I'd have to run my own HR. I'd have to run my own finance. I have to do all that stuff, and I wouldn't really have time to really do what I really enjoy doing. And I wouldn't have time to go to wrestling tournaments or coach softball teams or hang out with my wife. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I'm not interested. People yeah. would say, oh, man, you know. If you can bring in two, three million dollars for a company, you could go do that on your own and keep that money and then do whatever you want. I'm like, well, no. I'd be spending all my time doing that. Yeah. And As opposed to, I bring in the work. The HR people worry about staffing it. The finance people worry about budgeting for it. And the legal people worry about reviewing contracts. And you can just wash your hands. So, yeah. I mean, so I'm paid a decent salary. I have good benefits. That's good enough. But other people are motivated by different things. There's always trade-offs in life. There's only two things in life that matter in this life. One's time and the other's money. You can always make more money. Can't make more time. You can't make more time. So how do you spend your time? That's a question anyone should ask themselves. And if you're not asking yourself that question, then you've got your priorities backwards. Time should always come before money. What motivates you the most in terms of what you want to do? I'm more interested in spending time at home, having the flexibility to 
take time off and no one will question me if I take time off because I want to drive across the country or I want to go spend a week in Georgia watching softball or I want to drive all over Pennsylvania watching wrestling tournaments. So I'm just not going to work on, I'm not going to work every Friday for six, seven, eight weeks in a row. <laughs> so I've got the time to do that. How did I get there? Reputation. How was that obtained? Over time. Over time. Over time. Like, uh, I read some book, I think it was like Crispin. The guy was like, you know, trust and reputation grow like the cornfield. Takes a long time for it to grow all up. Farmers cut it down in a second. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about that with Clinton while yeah. we were hiking. He mentioned that they were going to buy the other lot first, right? Mm-hmm. And the guy skimped on But the guy changed the terms of the deal they had agreed to mm-hmm. when it came time to settle. It bothered him so much that he just stopped negotiating with him and started negotiating with the guy that owned the other lot. He said, because... He goes, I just can't do that. If I agree to something, then I'm going to do it. Even if I realize that I shouldn't have agreed to it, I'm going to follow through and do it. I said, well, in your business, that's smart because if you renege on a verbal agreement, which you can legally do, you can renege on a verbal agreement. It's not against the law. Nothing signed. But if you do it, then you're going to lose the trust of the one person who's going to criticize you for lacking integrity. And that criticism is going to go public. And you're in a business that's based on relationships public and public image. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, that's right. And the negative people are always louder than the people that are satisfied. I'm like, there you go. Yeah. It's like, so that was a, yeah. It's like, I feel the same way. That's a smart move. So what does that mean? It means sometimes you bite the bullet, which means you agree to something that, oh man, I wish I hadn't agreed to that. Well, you follow through on it because you agreed to it. Right. Sometimes that's what you do. Um, or, you know, when you're a father, you just do things you don't necessarily want to do. Not that you wouldn't want to be doing other things because, well, that's what's most important at the time. That's just how it works. That's right. So, anyway, yeah. I gotta say, I'm excited to, well, not to, like, put pressure on Sophia, but I'm really excited to watch her play softball as she just keeps getting bigger and like not to say that she's not athletic now but there's definitely like human physical prime she's definitely growing in the physical you know what what she can do her limits are growing oh that's true um do you think you're gonna transition to like do you think you'll do because i don't mean listen when i think about you in retirement which, I mean, I assume that's like the ability to think about that is coming up. Not that you might go into it, but yeah, it's probably fifteen years away. Yeah, I mean, what do you think you're gonna do? Are you gonna coach? <laughs> I don't know. Are you? Are you <laughs> get him through school first. That's right. So, so got Joshua. I, that's I gonna be super weird. I think people that look beyond four or five years are deluding themselves. Yeah, you think four, four to five years it's, is good? It's far enough. It's far enough? Far enough. Huh. Beyond that, 
Yeah, no. You're like, you're guessing. You're guessing. No. I mean, you can... You can set some higher goals. That's okay. If that's really where you think your passions lie, you can set some higher goals. Um, so Joshua and I watched the, the this year's NCAA Wrestling Championships, right? Mm-hmm. It's a great competition. Fun to watch, right? I mean, that's wrestling at the highest level in the United States, right? Yeah. So there was a guy from Iowa State. I think he was 147. Maybe maybe one weight class under. I think he was 147. Feel free to talk into the mic. Anyway. But, so, he was the three seed in the weight class. And he won the weight class. So he was the national champion. Before him, his father was also a national champion at Iowa State. Hmm. So. Iowa's got some beasts. Um, when they interviewed him, Joshua... Do you remember what he said about when they said, you know, how did you get here? Where did this come from? Do you remember what he said? Mm-hmm. He said, well, when I was a kid, I told my dad I was going to be a national champion. And I never lost sight of that. So I put in the work to make it possible. Now, okay. So that's that can happen, right? But I would say, if we were to go deeper with him into that statement, uh, you're going to find periods of doubt, periods where he thought, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, right? Decision points. Keep going or stick with it. Keep going or stick with it. So you can look back, you might say, I knew this is what I wanted to do, and I carried it through, right? But in carrying it through, you can't look all the way to the end. You gotta back that up and look at goals that are in front of you, like, can I be the best wrestler in the wrestling room I'm in? (laughs) Can I qualify for the dual meets off my own wrestling team? Mm -hmm. Uh, Can I beat everyone in the area I live in? Can I beat people in the next region over that always beat us? Can I win in my high school room? Can I win at the district level? Can I win at the regional level? Can I get a college scholarship? See, yeah. the goals just keep extending. And it can be like discouraging if yep. you look at that far reach goal. Yeah, if you look back small. on it, you might say, well... Why did I get into wrestling or anything in the first place? doesn't matter what it is. Wrestling is just a metaphor mm-hmm. I'm using, right? I want to be a national champion. Why did he want to be a national champion? His dad was a national champion. He said, Dad, I want to be like you. I'm going to be like you. Okay. So Dad was like, all right. Well, as long as that's what your goal is, his dad knew the process, right? Right. And he helped you get there. Well, so you need to follow that or not. Now, it's true for anything. I can tell you that when I was in fifth grade, I decided military is going to be my path to college. When I was in eighth or ninth grade, I decided I'm going to the Air Force Academy. I told my high school counselor that. She laughed at me. <laughs> Where were you living? Texas. 
was it like uncommon or something or she just well she just didn't think you were gonna make it service academies have amongst the lowest admission rates of any college in the united states no matter where you're from so you're saying location or relevant it's not relevant yeah counselor's like ha she's like oh well sure yeah yeah well you know and you know she talked to me all my junior year about well where else would you like to apply you know where else do you think you'd like to get into nowhere (laughs) right they stayed straight yeah um faith helped me with that too right I was kind of like no this is what I'm supposed to do I'm convinced this is what I'm supposed to do being convinced that's what I'm supposed to do uh there's a Bible verse that says, um, the yearnings of the heart are without repentance. They're placed there by God. All right. So if this is what I'm supposed to do, then it's going to happen. God will make a way. Not that I just sit back and say, okay, no, I'm putting my work to it. But yeah, the rest is up to God. If you right. just sat back and said, I'm going to go to the so, Air Force Academy, but, definitely wouldn't have made it. No, but some things too, though, like, so... After my sophomore year of high school, I applied to be an exchange student with American Field Service. Well, so I filled out the application, and then it was kind of like, well, okay. It was like $2,600, right? And you could apply for a scholarship. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to apply for a scholarship. I said, well, how much of a scholarship do you want to apply for? I said, 100%. I, she couldn't afford anything to yeah. put towards something like that, right? Um, and the high school teacher who was the coordinator for AFS in our high school, and then also the regional coordinator, they both called me and were like, Man, you've written one of the best applications we've ever read, but no one in the history of the program, this program has existed since 1919, has ever received a full scholarship to participate in the program. I said, well, that's fine. I went, but my family doesn't have the luxury of being able to commit any dollars to something like this. So if AFS wants me to go and be a person that's a representative of the program in accordance to what the program's stated objectives are, which is all about introducing Americans to the world so that Americans might be better diplomats and ambassadors for their own country, then they're going to have to pay for me to go because otherwise I can't afford it. (laughs) I was like, if they don't, they don't. If they do, they do. I'm leaving that up to God. I got 100% scholarship. That's how I went to Turkey first. Uh, That's how I ended up in Turkey. I bet you paid some roads for some people. Maybe, yeah. So that's how I ended up in Turkey, right? So I'm just kind of like, huh. Turkey's the one with the big mountain, yeah. Don't they have like a huge mountain in Turkey? Well, there are mountains in Turkey, but I think, are you are you thinking of Mount Everest? No, I just, listen, I just remember being in school one day and we were talking about Turkey and someone mentioned that they have like a significantly tall mountain in Turkey. Don't know what Maybe like be. the mountain on the Toblerone chocolate or something. No, know. that's in Switzerland. I don't know. How is, Turkey sounds kind of boring, if I'm being honest. What in the world is going on in Turkey? 
Oh no, Turkey's a fascinating place. So, all of Paul's epistles in the book of Acts, yeah, most of that takes place in Turkey. That's in Turkey? Yeah, Ephesus, Turkey. Yeah, huh. for instance. Turkey sits on the Aegean Sea, which divides Greece from Turkey, which is beautiful. Turkey borders the Black Sea, which divides Russia from Turkey. Beautiful. Southern Turkey's on the Mediterranean. Food's great. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty nice. Oh, snap. So yeah. you got it going on over there. Yeah, you were to go on vacation in Turkey and start in Istanbul, where you have the world's first domed building, the Hagia Sophia world's first underground Roman aqueducts and wells built by Roman emperors of the Byzantine period and then come down the Aegean coast and visit the Greek ruins of Troy where the Trojan Wars are from took place. That's all Turkey? It's all Turkey. Yeah. Jeez. So am I just like out of the know-how or do we not talk about that that's all Turkey? Um, well, in your study of Greek mythology or you know in your understanding of Christianity probably just no one ever connected the fact that all these places are what today we call Turkey yeah yeah no they definitely didn't correct <laughs> nobody did Constantinople is was the name of Turkey under the Roman Emperor Constantine and it was changed to Istanbul yeah when the, when the Seljuk Turks, Turks yeah, the Turks. Came over from Central Asia. How then in the world did the Turks beat Constant? I mean, that was that city was like an impenetrable city for years, right? It was like the jewel of... Yeah, more than a thousand years. Yeah. Well, the, the Ottoman Turkish Empire encompassed all of what today you know as... Didn't they take over from the Mongols? Yeah, they did. Yeah, Genghis Khan conquered all the land, and then the Ottomans were able to like... Right. So the Ottomans ruled all of North Africa, all of the present-day Middle East, all of the present-day Central Asia, and all of Southeast Europe, all the way up to the gates of Vienna. God. I bet that caused so many problems. Yeah. Splitting up territory when they fell apart. It did. And those problems exist to this very day. Yeah. To this very day, there are wars in Southeast Asia, in conflict, or excuse me, Southeast Europe, and conflicts in Southeast Europe from that time. The whole... Uh, the myth and the stories of Dracula come from that period of time. Yeah, that guy. That because was... there is a Romanian prince who was mm -hmm. Christian, Skinning people known as Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that was that was Romanian resistance to the Turkish invaders. Romanian resistance. Yeah. Man, so some people were for this guy. Oh yeah. If you weren't Turkish, you were for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Turks were a invading, conquering, enslaving enemy. Yeah, didn't they mess up the do the the Armenians, did they mess up the Armenians or did they just steal their coffee name? Listen, Steve, my Armenian boss was always well, passionate. About Armenians the are Christians and the Armenians remained Christian despite the Turkish occupation. Yeah. And yes. Yeah, that was the whole Armenian genocide. Correct. Right? Turks yeah. are Muslim. I mean, back in those days, mm. the height of the Ottoman Empire, you can convert, or you can die, or you can be enslaved. Uh, they wouldn't kill people. Uh, too valuable. Need no manpower. Right, be enslaved. 
if you resist slavery, well, then they'd kill you. Then, then you get to die. But you could be enslaved, or you can convert. Do you think we got more done with slaves, honestly? Do you think we could even start to build, like, the pyramids with working-class people having to pay people and do health care and equal working standards? Of course, slavery's terrible, but do you think we were able to accomplish some more stuff? Um, Yeah, so capitalism does make that possible. Why? Because it creates a profit incentive. So when people have an incentive to work, to invent, to create, to be, uh, to be intuitive, to use ingenuity, do in to an incentive to make a profit, mm-hmm. they get more done. And that's a fact. Um, slaves do what they're told. Yeah, that's it. That's all they do. So, take a person like George Washington Carver, who had a beautiful mind, a man was a genius, and even though he was born a slave, he was freed in the Civil War and I think the 14th Amendment of the United States guaranteed his freedom. He was able to apply that mind of his towards agriculture. Despite the fact that he was black, he was such a genius. He was accepted and and able to make a living. Say that name one more time. George Washington Carver. Didn't you make? I think I I think you gave me a book to read about him. I did. I read that book. Yeah. Yeah. So most anything today we take for granted about how we use peanuts. That's his work, scientific work. Seriously. Yes. And he also was able to create strains of cotton that were drought resistant, which kept the South from going into a massive depression due to a plague against the cotton fields at the time. Hold on, he's like genetically engineered cotton through selective breeding. Yeah. Wow. So if he was still a slave. Before or after the Punnett Square guy? I'm not sure. This is in the 1800s. Fair enough. So if he was still a slave, that would have never happened. Um, you would have never you're not you're not engineering rockets that can get you to the moon with slave labor and it was black female mathematicians who were crucial to that engineering effort Mm -hmm. actually yeah so no no, that's a. You're basing something on a false premise. You're using an anecdote to back a theory, but you can't you can't build a theory on an anecdote. Slavery is by nature inefficient because the workers aren't motivated to do anything. How do you motivate slaves? With a whip. Fear. Yeah, which only goes so far. It only goes so far. Um, and. Can you maintain fear? Can you maintain fear? No, because it burns off eventually. Well, and and for the person that's trying to motivate through fear, it's exhausting. Yeah. Right? I can get you to do what I want if I pay close attention constantly. Keep my thumb on you. You don't got time for other things. I don't have time for anything else. It's exhausting. Mm. So 
capitalism unlocks people's creativity by simply creating an incentive to be creative. Mm-hmm. If anything, now I'm just more impressed by the pyramids. Right. Seriously, like... Oof. No, slaves were just doing what they were told. So it was... It was, it was Egyptian engineers that figured out how to do that. They just then told the slaves what to do. Mm-hmm. But if you create an incentive to where that anyone in society has the opportunity to advance on the basis of their intellect or their skill or their ingenuity, you're gonna unlock more productivity in society. I mean, someone's got to do the dirty work, right? Someone's got to push the stone up the hill. Sure. Where's the but, incentive to push the, st- who's so, push the stone up the hill? What do you think? You think the pyramids would have been built faster by slaves or by people getting paid to push stones up hills? Would they, do you think they have the means to like pay all those people to push all those stones up The hill? Egyptian pharaoh? Are you kidding? I guess so. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. They had the means. Yeah. Um, you might say, oh, well, the pyramids were built really fast. Well, okay. So the pharaoh wants this done. That's his most important priority. Everyone that's a overseer will focus on that one thing and whip everyone to get it done. Well, yeah, you can get that done. But then what else is going on in the rest of society in the world? Well, we don't know because we're only paying attention to this one thing. Hmm. Right? Hmm. So... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, um, no, you can't effectively and consistently over time win through fear or enslavement. That, no. And so, you know. Why did the southern United States lose the war? Two reasons. And the primary reason was the North could manufacture arms, weapons, and ammunitions way faster than the South could. Period. Reason? Was that just where the factories were? But why were there factories in the North but not factories in the South? Why? Uh, there's because no one in the focused. South was smart enough to figure out how to build factories? They were still focused on the slaves. There was no incentive to build factories. And what do factories do? They automate labor, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, but why automate labor when I can just, when I've got free labor in the form of slaves? It's actually very inefficient and it's very slow and it makes production actually very expensive in lots of ways that aren't seen in a pocketbook. Tell you fight a war and try to go to war with an economy based on slavery and you find that you cannot efficiently produce the means necessary to fight a war nor can you sustain it ah the north which factories might have factories because they had ended slavery in the north several decades prior no slavery less labor what do we do we automate labor how do we do that we got to figure that out who figured that out Incentive. Incentive. Shoot. And it got so good, like people like Eli Whitney built a cotton gin so that slaves in the South could be faster at processing cotton, so more cotton could come to the factories in the North to make more clothes. 
oh, wow. to sell back to people so in the South. incentive leaked all the way into the South. Sure it did. The slave owners took that and just, that means they could use fewer slaves to produce the same amount of cotton because of the cotton gin. Hmm. Man, you know, it just yeah. makes me think. It, it, again, it just kind of awe-inspires me at the Egyptians once more. If they're so... That, that, the engineering behind the pyramids... No, I'm just thinking about they ran such an advanced society and if slave labor is... How much more efficient would they have been without an economy based on slaves? Or really any, you know, back in the day. You know, I'm just taking yeah. Egyptians as an example. Well, you know, the extent to which... The extent to which people were enslaved in Egypt is also... I don't know, and it's not all... Not all slavery is the same. Yeah, and I doubt they wrote it all down. Why would they write right. it down? Right, I mean, down? remember, so we read about slavery in Exodus. But were the Jews always slaves in Egypt? No. Because in Genesis it says that Jacob took his family into Egypt during a famine. Yeah, they chilled out there. Right. And Joseph actually became the prime minister of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Right? Didn't he start as a slave, though? Or was that just like... He did. Movie? Yeah. But that's because his brothers, like... Oh, that's right. They, like, screwed him over. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. And so Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt and brought his family over. Right? Right. So they didn't start slaves. How did they become enslaved? Well, we don't know that part of the history, but it wasn't always that way. Hmm. Do you think it was just a pharaoh change? We don't know. The guy was, like, different stuff. Don't know. So who exactly built the pyramids? I don't think that's recorded either. But even so, right? Um, not all slavery was the same. So, you know, the Romans had slaves, right? Yeah. They were in the Colosseum, for example. Yeah. Um, chariot drivers. But they're like good that. at that because they gave them good incentive. Because they're like, if you win in the Colosseum, well, you're free. Fight or die. That's another big incentive. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. But you might just choose to die. All you're ever going to do is fight. Capitalism is the greatest form of society in the world because it provides incentive for people to create. It recognizes that people are by nature self-interested. But it puts a restraint on that self-interest because in a capitalistic society, if you want to get ahead... There is a limit to the degree that you can get ahead by being purely selfish. Someone else is going to come along and recognize that they can outdo you by enlisting the support of other people around them in a less selfish manner. You may get away with being selfish for a while, but not forever. It puts natural restraints on people's innate selfishness. So if capitalism's doing so well, especially for America, how become like, how come there's not more conversion in other countries, or have I just not seen that? Most of the world is capitalistic. All Why? of Europe is. It um, pretty much, most all of Southeast Asia is. Right. The, the propaganda is that that I hear. I don't Japan know is. On. It's a capitalistic society. Like they're trying to sweep the world with socialism and communism, and that's true. The way to go. That's true. It's taken over everything. Well, it's the Chinese model, right? Yeah. So socialism creates classes of people in which the people on the top are guaranteed to stay on top because no one else 
there's no that's there's, the only incentive right there's no social mobility the people on the top like it well, so they can hold their position so it's all about fear right so socialism might say gee Caleb you know you're 19 years old and you don't have any skills you're not formally trained to do anything you don't have a college education you're pretty hopeless you're not going to go anywhere in life but don't worry we'll make sure you get basic health care and three meals a day you just have to do what we say well now I have no incentive to get any education right well that's right but now you're also never going to be a threat to the government or the people in charge they've made me docile that's socialism they've pacified me that's right if you get out of line, well, we'll send you to a gulag, we'll kill you, we'll poison you. <laughs> this sense is not allowed. So socialism. That's how Venezuela old, works too. Big old pacifier. With a with a like with a, a big hammer behind it. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yikes! 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 Yeah. Yikes! So I mean, you know. So there's a lot of Western China. There's a group of people known as Uyghurs. They are not ethnic Chinese. They are ethnic Uyghurs. They are Central Asian people. Western China takes up most a lot of Central Asia. They're Muslims. They don't speak Chinese. Hmm. There's an active genocide going on right now against these people. Why? Is it because they don't identify as Chinese? It's because they won't conform with the practices and policies of the Chinese Communist Party. And they're smack in the middle. What do you mean they're in the middle? You said uh, Central. Western China, which takes up most of Central Asia. There we go. Okay. So, just because they won't conform. They're free thinkers. Socialists don't like free thinkers. So no go. Put no the pacifier go. back in. Stay a baby. Or suffer the consequences. Or suffer the consequences. It's very different than the American Constitution, right? Mm-hmm. Just goes back to the First Amendment. The people have the freedom of speech. The people have freedom of religion. The people have freedom to assemble and petition their government for their grievances. Yeah, that's the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. um, so that is a government which has its foundation that rests on individual liberty. Right. Well, that's okay. That's very different than communism. Yeah. Which is about everybody being the same. Mm -hmm. Individual liberty is not a thing. <laughs> no. no. Very different. No. Which does, it sounds great, but yeah, it kills the incentive for any sort of... Correct. ...push towards... Anything. Anything. That's right. Because if I get what you get, why should I go invent a rocket ship? We're right. both still gonna get three meals a day and get right our meal. Right. Yeah. So, why did the Soviet Union lose the Cold War? Oh, is that this? Is that like the same thing? They're people. Same thing. There's just not incentive to. I mean, at the end of the day, the Soviet Union lost the Cold War because, well, quite frankly, the United States economy became the largest in the world through productivity and ingenuity as a result of a capitalist system which promotes growth and eventually we just outgrew them overwhelm the soviets by you know outspending them 
it's called an arms race, right? I'm like, okay, you build missiles with, uh, you you build 100 missiles pointed at the United States, each with a megaton warhead, and we're going to build 500 missiles, each with 10 warheads. Okay, you build 1,000 missiles, so we're going to build another 500 missiles, and now we're going to put a satellite constellation in space that has the ability to shoot missiles out of the sky before they hit us. That's what we did. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And eventually, um, it, it bankrupted the Soviet's government and their economy. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's so, how it ended? That's exactly what happened. They went bankrupt and they're like, and we so can't make any more The last missiles. Soviet premier, Mikhail Gorbachev, changed the policy, right? Um, to one that was called glasnost and perestroika, which means openness and transparency. So he was trying to attract foreign direct investment in, into the Soviet Union, something that they had never been willing to accept, hmm. and an ability to keep up economically and keep up their defense. Well, then everything collapsed on itself like a house of cards, like a, like a pyramid scheme. Huh. And the government fell, and then the Soviet Union fell apart, and all those countries that were part of the Soviet Union became independent. And, you know, Russia today is really no no significant threat to the world yeah. because it's an oligarchy, which means it's run by a few powerful families and everybody else doesn't really get much. Yeah. I mean, how long has Putin been doing things? I mean, it seems like he's I think running 16, shit. 16 years now. Dude, it feels like... That's, you know, that's why it's an oligarchy. All so my life. Putin... It has been all your life. Yeah. Putin is the head of an oligarchy, mm-hmm. which means the things he does serve the interest of the most powerful families in Russia. Yeah. If you I ask yourself... He's pretty good at what he does. Then, well, if he stayed in power, then he's good at what he does. Yeah. But do they pose an economic threat to the world today? No. Do they pose a significant military threat to the United States? Does no. anybody... China. China? Yeah. They're working on it? Oh, no. China has... China's got a million billion people, so even a billion yeah. inefficient people can be... Yeah, that's... And then, like, a hundred rats will be the right. lion. And, and not to mention, it's also Chinese culture. Chinese culture has always been collectivist. So, you know, it's a difference between ants and grasshoppers. The worker ant doesn't question whether or not he should be a worker ant. He just is a worker ant. Mm-hmm. That's a collectivist culture. It's a collectivist culture. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do that in India, right? Uh, they have, like, this huge thing on karma, like homeless people. Mm, no, like, it's yeah. totally different. No, no, no. Don't, um, oh, a different kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Think about ants. Are ants lazy? Do ants not work? No, no. I mean, like, the like the living in your class kind of deal. Living your worker ant life. Like, oh, you're a worker ant. Uh, yeah, but it's not collectivist in the sense that mm, we all have a mission to do and it's our life's work is uh, to just live in our mission effectively and efficiently okay. in our mission. I see. We're talking we don't, like this ant part of a big mission. Uh, like, we're all, okay. Right. It doesn't sound like too bad of a thing. It sounds no. like a form of patriotism almost, I guess. It, well... Sure. But that's why, so historically, the only thing that has ever been a threat to Chinese governments, whether they're communist governments or emperors, what's been the only threat to 
Chinese government rulers over 6,000 years of Chinese history. Its own people. Its own people, right. And when do they become a threat? Uh, I guess when the leadership starts sucking. When the leadership can't keep people fed. <laughs> there you go. Hungry people revolt. <laughs> <laughs> so when the leadership can't keep people fed, the propaganda about serving the nation... Because the nation's not serving you. ...wears out. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But that's Chinese history. So as long as they keep the bellies full... American culture is, it's not the government's job to keep me fed. Yeah, which then I bet promotes even better workers. Correct. Because then you don't got to worry about your people all the time. Right, so exactly. Mm. Which is why a nation of 330 million people has an economy twice the size of a nation of a billion people. <laughs> That's exactly right. Now, why don't they look at this and go, hey, if we implement this for our one billion people, we're going to skyrocket. Well, they did that to a degree. There's a lot of economic openness in China since 1989, which has led to a significant growth in their economy since that time. But there's no political openness. There's no political dissent allowed. There's no religious freedom allowed. Freedom of speech is not allowed. No dissent is allowed. So there's limits to it. But again, in the U.S. political system, leadership changes all the time at every level of government. They don't want that. No. They don't want that. They're willing to make the sacrifice for a lower economy to keep their seat in power. Which is an eight human nature. Yeah. <laughs> Which goes back to what I said. Capitalism mm-hmm. puts a restraint on selfishness because there's a limit to the amount of money you're going to make through selfishness because in a capitalistic society... Mm-hmm. People can make other choices. You can only screw someone over so many times. They're going to start spending their money somewhere else. Yeah. Right? Right. Well, that's also reflected in our political system. You know, um, talking about human advancement, I've been talking to some, you know, some religious people, you know, especially like uh, Mimi. Mimi's pretty religious. So we are going into space. We're getting there. It looks like it's going to happen some shape or form where I'm going with this is the end of the world I've been talking to old people okay okay old people have kind of like a, a, a kind of a doomy mindset I think it's just because they're gonna die so they start thinking about it and then they're just like yeah if I'm gonna die everyone can die the apocalypse is coming soon how far do you think humanity will get before God's like, okay, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Well, I don't know. I've been and thinking I, and I think I like, think that. Um, do you think he'll let us populate Mars? Well, do you think we'll be over in another solar system? So, there's, how there's, far are we gonna make it? I don't know. There's there's two answers to that, right? And so, first off. First off, you have to believe in God. Many people don't. Yeah, but... Many people believe in God's plural, and so this conversation would be meaningless to them. But, so to me, right, I can answer the question because I believe in God. The second is, so my answer is going to come straight from the Bible, specifically the New Testament. Um, Though there's references in the Old Testament where Jewish people, some Jewish people might also agree to what I'm saying. All right, so the first thing that the New Testament says is that 
God wants that everyone come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Right. That they come into the kingdom. How will God accomplish that? I don't know. It doesn't tell us. Mm -hmm. But it's like God's will is that everyone come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay. The second thing he tells us is that God wants us to be evangelists, to go out into the world. That's kind of weird. Like, why does he need us to do that? Mm. Like, if he's God, why can't he just, like, save people? I, I don't know the answer to that either. It's what he wants us to do, though. I don't think it's the same thing. I heard a, there's a parable, two it's, kids. It's not the same thing, but my point is, is that that's what he wants us to do. So he wants us to go and spread the message to the ends of the earth, to all tribes and societies. Well, that work's not done yet. And it says, he wills that all people come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Third thing the New Testament says is, and Jesus says this, and it's the parable of the wedding feast, right? Where, um, no, no, no. It's a parable where there are the people waiting for the master to come home, right? When the master comes home, they're going to have this big feast. But they don't know when he's coming. But he says, trim your lamps, light them, and be ready. So they go out, they trim their lamps, they fill their lamps with oil, and they're ready. Trim their lamps. Yeah, it's like, like making it possible so that a candle will burn, right? Oh, you you got to like trim the wick, wick so Correct. it burns better. Correct. Sure. you got to keep it filled with oil, too. Mm -hmm. Well, some people got tired of waiting and just assumed that the master wasn't coming. And they went back and they went to sleep. And some people were diligent, kept their lamps lit, kept waiting. When the master came, they were invited in for the feast. And when the doors were shut, everyone else was locked out. And they didn't get in. And at the end of the parable, Jesus says, No one knows the day, or the time, or the hour when I will return. Mm -hmm. But your job is to be ready. Period. So people that make predictions about such things, Jesus clearly said, No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, how long was it before the, even the first coming and people were just waiting around forever? So... So, you know, so I don't know the answer to that question. How far will God let human advancement go? I don't know. But I know he says that he, it's God's will that all come to a saving knowledge of Christ. It's, it's God's will that none should perish, but that, you know, all are saved. It's God's will that all peoples and all tribes and tongues and nations of earth hear about him. Okay. So when, when is that done? Well, then he also says, you're not going to know. You're not going to know. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so I don't know. Um, I could, you know. So, so then any answer is utter meaningless speculation. Mm -hmm. It's not the kind of thing I like to speculate on. <laughs> Does itch my brain now? Oh, sure. How far? Star Trek. Like, how yeah. far are we going to make it out there? Who knows? Well, who knows that um, maybe Stop. Star Trek is an accurate depiction of the universe, in which case maybe an understanding of the directive to evangelize goes well beyond our Earth. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Maybe that's it. Maybe true. when God says, I wish that all tongues, tribes, races, and nations come to a saving knowledge of Christ. All is all. Maybe that's well beyond what we know of human life. 
some people say, oh, well, you know, based upon what we know of our galaxy, you know, life would, could not exist on any other planets in our galaxy. Maybe so. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Gene Roddenberry saw hyperdrive, which would take you to other galaxies in which life did exist. I don't know. Maybe so. Yeah. Well, okay, then bringing it away from speculation, uh, the only other thing I'd really... You being... Compared to me, you're old. Compared to some people, you're a young, dapper man. And, like, right now, look around, people are doomy gloomy. I have to assume this isn't the first time the world's been doomy gloomy. No. Like, no. should I be too worried no. about... No, no. Or, so when I was in... You know, people no. are like, the United States is going to crumble. No. Um, it's not going well. No, it's... no, definitely not. Um, hold on, let me remember this. You know? Hold on. Uh, so... In the, yeah. So in 1983, right. So when in the election of 1980, uh, it's coming out of the 70s. Um, so we got involved in a war in Vietnam, which went horrible. We lost it. Had to withdraw and retreat. Retreat. Had to had to evacuate the American embassy in Saigon via helicopter as the North Vietnamese forces closed in. Seriously? Oh, yeah. First Man. first time the United States had ever lost a war. Um, Who beat us? Vietnamese. Just like jungle yeah. warfare? Yeah. Um, there were two different oil embargoes that the Saudis put on us in the 70s, which drove the price of oil. In today's dollars, a gallon of gas would be costing like $7 right now. Oh, my gosh. And, like, the and there was shortage, right? So people would... You would if, to get gas. You not only have to pay seven dollars a gallon for it. You would have to wait in line for hours, oh. and then it would be rationed. I bet people are freaking out. Uh, yeah, right. A gallon is rationed. Waiting in line, seven bucks a gallon. <laughs> just lost a war. Yeah. Um, a standard interest rate for an auto loan in Dude, the I late. I kind of freaked out, and I was like three bucks. In the late seventies, early eighties, you know, you couldn't get an auto loan below. 18, 19% interest. A mortgage loan, you would pay an 11, 12% interest rate. We haven't seen interest rates above 5% in two decades. So when, and then in, in 1980, in Iran, the Iranian government overran our embassy, took a bunch of people hostage, and kept them hostage for hundreds and hundreds of days. We tried to rescue them through a military operation. The military operation went bad, and all our planes got shot down, and all our soldiers got killed. Jeez. Yeah. Did so, we get them eventually? No. No? No. You think they're dead? Oh, the hostages? Yeah, yeah, yeah but hostages. that's a different story. Okay, for sure. So, um, so in the last year of Jimmy Carter's presidency, we had really, really high inflation, which means everything was getting more expensive really fast. Mm -hmm. and we had really high unemployment, which means... No one had no jobs. No one had money to buy anything. No one had jobs. No one had money to buy stuff. And everything was getting more expensive. How? Why? Right. See? And it's because... 
So, and then it was the height of the Cold War, and everyone thought the Soviets were going to nuke, nuke us, and yeah. the world was going to end. As, sure. as kids, they used to make us do these drills where we would like... I bet that felt so pointless. We'd be like, you, they made you uh, duck and cover under your desk. Ma'am, it's a nuke. <laughs> it's a nuclear attack. So, a very popular movie in 1983 was this one. The Day After. The Day After, right? And it's a movie about a thermonuclear apocalypse and the world ends. And then, like, uh, Phil Collins, uh, when he was with the band Genesis, wrote um, a popular song called Land of Illusion, which was all about the end of the world, and the music video was set to puppets. And the puppets were like Gorbachev and Reagan, like ending the world through thermonuclear war. Oh, gosh. Yeah, right? It's pretty doomy gloomy. That's a, it's very doomy gloomy. So, Twinkies and cockroaches. And there was some reality to it. Yeah. Because actually, inflation was really high, uh -huh. higher than it's ever been in your lifetime. Unemployment was very high, higher than it's ever been in your lifetime. The Soviet Union was, in fact, armed with thermonuclear weapons. And there were lots of things going on that could have started a war, which would have ended the world. Um, there were lots of wars in the Middle East, and we just lost a war in Vietnam. Today, what are people doomy gloomy about? Uh, the fact that there's a virus so they can't go get their Starbucks latte whenever they want? What Politics. Politics. People are doomy groomy about corrupt politics and well, so, government falling apart. But that's only because of social media. There's yeah. nothing about today, mm -hmm. politically, that's any different than it's ever been. We're just like, are we just seeing it now? Are people just talking about it now? It's more aware of it because of social media. It's more aware of it? Yeah. I mean, you know, in the 1800s, when politicians had disagreements on the floor of the Congress, they would shoot one another. Oh. Or they would beat one another with canes. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Now, it wasn't reported every day because there's no such thing as TMZ or Facebook or TikTok. Yeah, or video cameras right. rolling 24-7. But because that did happen, the House Rules Committee had to put rules in place about how to conduct a debate and who gets to talk when and what's allowed and what's not allowed. Yeah. No, you can't just cane someone because they disagree with you. You're not allowed to challenge people to a duel and shoot them. That's right. Even in Rome, you can't bring weapons into the... after Caesar got stabbed. But, but it used to happen that way. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean... Yeah, just rolling with the waves then. Politics is politics is politics. It's not different. People are just more aware of it. And I think Generation Z, quite frankly, is uh, just, quite honestly, a bunch of just spoiled, entitled brats for the most part. Yeah, I because think they're bored too. Nothing to focus their actual attention on. Because, well, again, you, Generation Z doesn't, have. they've never seen high inflation. They've never experienced high unemployment. No, dude, it's been they, sunshine and daisies. They haven't. So they haven't, there's no national security threat that threatens the end of the world so that yeah. producers make movies like that. Exactly. You're not having to duck and oh, cover. Dude, 83 on Rotten Tomatoes? That's a pretty good movie, too. <laughs> You're not having to duck and cover under your desk uh, in the event of a nuclear attack. Yeah. By, right? Worst thing you have to worry about today is, you know, oh my gosh, you know, this uh, 
my waste, phone's gonna die. Uh, you know, like today, the worst thing you might see in the news is, oh my gosh, the wastewater pond in Tampa might overflow, which means that um, some manatees in Tampa Bay might die, and people might need to boil water for a week. Oh my God, end of the world, man. Can you believe that that wastewater treatment plant in Florida might overflow and manatees will die? Oh, well, you know, it's, I mean, it's sad, but it's not like the threat of thermonuclear war. Not even close. It's not, it's not like the rate of inflation is at 15%, so the price of bread is doubling in a year. Where did we like, when, when this inflation, when inflation rates up, do we just uh, equalize out like un like employment and how much money people are making, or are we actually able to make it go down? So normally, when inflation's rising, mm-hmm. that means people are making unemployment money. is going down because people yeah. are more and more people are making money, mm-hmm. so you have more money chasing too few goods. So the price of everything is rising. So to equalize that. Uh-huh. What has to happen? More More supply in the marketplace. Which, if there's more money being made, there's an incentive to put in more supply. Yeah. But in the late late 70s, you see, you had inflation and unemployment rising at the same time. Which is like, who's messing with the market? (laughs) That's messed up. Yeah. Right? Why was that? It's because we were in war with the Soviet Union. They had client states in the Middle East that were on their side that was restricting the flow of oil and the flow of energy to the United States. We were absolutely dependent upon those nations for oil. Mm-hmm. So when you can't get oil, the price to produce everything goes way up. Yeah. Oil makes so much stuff. Oh, my goodness. Right. Your toothbrush. This your is pills. why I think the election of Joe Biden is about one of the stupidest things to happen in the United States in a long time. Because are, you, are you worried? No, I'm not really worried. It'd just be a period of dumbness. Yeah. But because under Trump, under Trump, the United States became the largest producer of oil and gas in the world. We were 100% energy independent. Yeah, that was huge, right? Well, sure. Fracking again and whatnot. Because he's the first president since Eisenhower not to start a foreign war somewhere. Huh, really? Since Eisenhower? What have all foreign wars started over? Oil, right? Pretty much oil. Yeah. Yeah. But then he was just like, yeah, we'll just tap into our own supply. No, don't worry about it. Correct. And I bet that saved a bunch of money. It does. Yeah. Created created very low unemployment and low inflation simultaneously, uh, which that creates more opportunity for everybody. But the thing is, right, does that mean there's no poor people? Of course not. The, Jesus said the poor will always be among you. And they will. Well, some people like being poor. Some people want to play the victim. Yeah. Makes it easier to, like, you know, deal with their problems. If you can put your problems on someone else, you don't got to deal with them. Well. There you go. That's right. Some people are lazy. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. Last question, and we'll wrap it up. It's almost midnight. Is it really? Yeah. I wonder. It's interesting to see how long these things go. Time flies so fast. All right. Uh, I don't know, man. Well, it's been really fun. Well, let me ask Joshua. Joshua, what did you hear that you thought was interesting? Or what question might you have for me based on what you've heard? Yeah, or based upon what you haven't heard, what would you like to ask? You did. Put on some headphones. Here, I used to take a sound of how you're coming across. 
I thought it was interesting to hear about your some of your past yeah. working. I didn't know you were the first one to get a 100% scholarship to the Air Force. No, no, no. American Field Service, exchange student program. Yeah. Oh. Being an exchange student in Turkey. That's while I was in high school. Okay. Mm-hmm. How many times did you go to Turkey? Because I know you didn't you go there a couple times for work. Yeah, yeah. For work, yeah. But yeah. I was there for... It's a summer exchange program. I was there for two and a half months. I'm going to ask you for, like, travel recommendations. So, for sure. Yeah. You got any questions? Got a question? No. no? Any last thoughts? I thought it was pretty funny. They told you to duck onto your desk. In case of nuclear war. In case of bomb. Duck and cover. Yeah, sirens would go off. Duck and cover drill. That's what we do for hurricane drills. It's maybe good for hurricanes. Yeah, maybe. Also good for tornadoes. Not so much nuclear bombs. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Nothing is. But think about it. But the Catholic school is like, pray. That's more effective. But let's think about that. Actually, it's good you brought that up. So let's think about that. Why are we doing a duck and cover drill for an alarm when a nuclear bomb is coming? What's that about? I think it's just panic control, crowd control. I think that's it. That's like the theory of the position on the airplane. Interesting. Just to help you identify bodies. There you I think go. they just don't want the kids going crazy. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like, why do people wear masks while they're in their car driving by themselves? Or on a bicycle outside? Or walking by themselves while outside? Why are they wearing those masks? Maybe they're just trying to do some self-panic control. And, Yeah. Exactly. And in states where there's mask mandates, why are there mandates? Like, because when you look at the data, states with mask mandates don't have fewer infections or fewer dead people or fewer hospitalized people than people without mask mandates. So what's up with the mandates? What are the mandates for? They just want to make people feel good. They're politicians. They want to make people feel safe. They're like, this will make the people feel good. This will make the people feel good. Right. Ducking so, under your desk. Ducking under your desk. Will make the parents make feel, like, feel good. Like I'm trying to do something to keep myself safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Right. So, you remember all the riots that happened last summer? Uh, in regards News. to the... After, like, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter thing. Yeah, right? Kip, that was all... Yeah, that was last year. Wow. Yeah, last summer, right? Okay, so... That was interesting, too, right? The same public health officials that were saying, stay six feet apart, wear a mask, don't gather, don't get in crowds, don't get close to one another. The same public health officials that were saying that, when these riots started happening came out and said the riots are okay because racism is such a big public health problem that these riots are dealing with a bigger threat to public health than COVID. Therefore, it's okay to assemble close together for these purposes. That's what they said. Hmm. <laughs> you know, that does justify that. Why, why would they say that? It justifies the fact that they're just saying things to put people at peace. Correct. When you look at, like, actual science, mm-hmm. right, then you kind of know that's all just nonsense. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, actual science says, viruses are airborne. They do travel through the air. If I cough on you or spit on you and I'm sick, you're going to get sick. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. 
how it works. You and I are sitting six feet apart right now. If I were sick, there's zero chance, almost zero chance, that I can make you sick. Yeah, you'd have to be like trying. If I would have to be. I'd have to be trying. I could spit in my hand, we could shake yeah. hands, and you could wipe your mouth, and you'd get sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, right? For sure. But what do we tell people? Well, wear masks. Wear masks. Well, I could... I could cough through my mask into my elbow, yeah. wipe my shirt off, shake your hand, you're going to get sick. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely... I mean, like, it can work to some extent, but not to the extent... They're definitely preaching it to an extent to establish some peace. Correct. It's yeah. all about... Well, as most people, Caleb, are sheep. Yeah. That's a fact. Someone's got hurt. So, um, so that's a movie you should watch if you haven't watched it. Have you watched American Sniper? I haven't. Yeah. You should watch that movie. I haven't. Right. You need to watch that movie. Um, God, I can't remember the actor that played the part. What? Well, the, well, the, the guy in was Kurt. The guy the movie was based on died. He was Did actually he die naturally. No, he was he was shot. Yeah, ironically. Um, the line of work, right? Bradley Cooper was the lead actor in that movie. But uh, the movie starts with there are three kinds of people in the world. There are sheep, there are sheep dogs, and there are wolves. Sheep, sheep dogs, wolves. Most people are sheep. I am hmm. a sheep dog. I'm here to protect people from the wolves. Yeah. <laughs> that's and, very and good way to think about it. That's a fact. So a lot of government policies are just in recognition of the people that people are sheep. Yeah. Now, there's two things about sheep. Number one, Jesus teaches us it's all over the New Testament in his parables. He compares us to sheep all the time. Why? Sheep are stupid. <laughs> so they need a shepherd. Yeah. One walk off the cliff? Right. I'll walk off the cliff. Correct. So I bet if it wasn't for us, they'd be extinct like the dodo bird. And the second thing about sheep is that they're easily scared. Yeah. Easily scared. Easy to frighten sheep. You can stampede sheep easily. They get scared easy. Mm-hmm. Right? Small dog, sheep herd. Correct. So sheep dogs exist to kill wolves. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. I'll look up what a sheepdog looks like. I haven't so, seen one in a long time. So that's how the movie starts. There are three people in the world. Sheep, sheepdogs, and wolves. I'm a sheepdog. So yeah, you should watch the movie. It's a great movie. Wow. That's the sheepdog. So, you know. Yeah. Capitalism incentivizes people to overcome their fear. Mm-hmm. Stop being sheep. Do you ever think, though, that people assume there are more sheep than they are and then we end up with mandates we don't need absolutely it's like dude there's not that many sheep that's right calm down a little bit correct and let people correct live their life yes and then do you think that maybe you know maybe some sheep i would add to it off the cliff we don't want to hang around with those sheep that's right so you might say to bradley cooper i'd say there's sheep sheep dog wolves and Foxes. Goats. No, foxes. Foxes. Yeah, foxes. Yeah. Sly, cunning, corrupt bastards steal things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like the fabulous Mr. Fox. Did you ever the watch fab- it? Oh, fantastic movie. There you go. Fantastic movie. Everybody hated Fox for good reason. For good reason. 
all his neighbors, and his own family. Like, dude. <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah, watch the movie, American Sniper. Okay, this has been fun. Time to go to bed. Wrap it up. Signing off. Signing off. Okay, so first of all, I'd like to start this podcast by stating that we're going to be making the, well, this topic, we're going to be assuming two things. One, we're assuming reincarnation is real, or you could also say like choice of what you be, like I want to go as this being, that being. So that is what we are, are assuming. Let's get into this. The second thing you need to not assume, but you should keep relative. I'm 19. This is a podcast. It's just my thought process about things. Process this information with that filtered in. And then pick and choose what you decide to double check. If you even bother. Now. All the technicalities are out of the way. Let's jump into it. I was doing some working out. And. When you accomplish physical acts. Things that have to do with your body. get a lot more rooted to your body in the sense that you appreciate it more you're more a part of it you're like you know you're not so much like if uh, if you spend a lot of time in your head when you start doing physical feats you get a lot more into your body the same way like you can't get into your head because technically it's a mindset you're in your head, and then there's a flip one, and it's in your body. I'm not exactly sure what to call it, but go do, like, some push-ups. But here's the trick. You have to, like, make an accomplishment with it. You know, you need to, like, push past the limit. You need to, like, one more push-up than you thought you could. Then you'll start to feel it. You know? It'll get you in that set. Now, the point I'm making is... There's an obvious richness to that. It's very fulfilling. A lot of people, well, I wouldn't say a lot. I don't know. Things, people I've been listening to recently. I'm thinking, like, should I name names? But no, nah, it's just a general thought process. So it's like, guys, I'll start explaining it, and then you'll know. Because I don't know where it comes from. Someone smart will know. And then the rest of you who aren't smart enough to know probably will just be happy with the explanation like I do. And if you really care, you'll look it up on the computer. Now, back to it. Anyhow, they really take importance at being like spiritual, in the spirit, you know, meditation, getting out of the body, into the mind, yada, yada, yada. 
And maybe, maybe I just haven't heard talk about it, but there doesn't seem, it seems like people are trying not to be human sometimes. And I think what you need to realize is, I'm making the assumption that you choose which being you are, you chose to be a human, you, there is, you thought there was some sort of benefit to being human, so you should also embrace human, just being human, you know, hecking, taking your human body and doing one, some push-ups, feeling your human, you know, your blood flowing, muscles moving, I think it's, I think it's totally, I think, Listen, if you chose as a spirit and out of body, like a soul, if you chose to be human, we're making that assumption, then obviously you're going to get something out of being human. So my thought process was, I feel like it's uh, often kind of neglected. You get to, like, people get really spiritual and up there. Of course, this is also making the assumption that they don't also focus on their body. It's just that they don't talk about it much because that's not what they're trying to educate people in. You know, like the math teacher isn't going to be like, hey, by the way, class, make sure you get them push-ups in. No, that's the PE teacher's job. And so I guess in that sense, actually, yeah, people are pretty, they're pretty focused. Yeah, we got a lot of gyms personal trainers yeah okay okay I guess we're already doing that I mean I feel like I just wasted five minutes of everyone's life maybe not mine though I kind of realized the thing creepy water bottle I just it, the whole thought process feels so insignificant now that I realize we're already doing it because if you think about it like the world's a big school and people have different jobs then personal trainers and gyms would be like fulfilling the job of touching in with your human self and if that were the case, then why would the people trying to, like, touch you in with your spirit self need to worry about touching you in with your physical self? Because they know the gym side of things already got it. So. But hey, you know what they say, there's nothing new under the sun. So, you know, that's an issue I find. A lot of the times, that's why I like asking, that's why I feel like it's, you know, to definitely ask a lot of questions of people and try and steal their knowledge, because I think for a long time about a thing, like the importance of physical and yada, what we just talked about, okay? Only to realize it's already doing perfectly fine on its own, and I didn't need to think about that. Not that I suppose I wasn't entertained for five minutes mentally. I wasn't mentally bored, which is nice. But I didn't need to. It was just, it was already there.
but everything's already there. So I sense, I guess it's in the discovery of it. I don't know, I'm just trying to justify what was the point of thinking of all that when the answers are already there. Can't think of anything. Not not a thing. Besides the fact that I said I can said I did it. Got to the same answer. There you go, I checked your work. You're right. Yay. I guess that's maybe in some space. Well, Anyhow, guys, I hope you enjoyed the second podcast. I know it was a wild one. And um, do remember, 